0: Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Apple makes up nearly 7% of the S&P 500 and is the largest holding in the S&P 500. So when Apple moves, whether it's short-term or long-term, people who are holding index funds, typically S&P 500 index, index funds, are going to be affected by that. So it is important for even if you are a long-term investor, you're buying index funds, it is important and is interesting to keep a track of Apple. Typically where Apple goes, so does the market. So I just want to go over that and it's an interesting little uh, stock analysis. Now Apple reported their earnings on April 28th of 2022 for their Q2. They beat on uh, normalized earnings per share and their GAAP earnings per share. They reported revenue of 97.28 billion for the quarter, and they beat that quarter by 3.29 billion. Now for future quarters, that's expected to be somewhere in late July, early August. They expect to have $1.15 earnings per share normalized and GAAP with $82 billion in revenue. And it looks like more folks are putting downward revisions for future quarters, which makes sense considering the larger um, economic shift towards more so a recession, probably less people spending money. Jumping into my DCF model for Apple, jumping straight into the value, I have them 136 and $131 respectively for a DCF versus an EBITDA multiple. Now let's talk about some of the inputs and why I believe they're worth less than what they're trading at now. I think they're somewhere trading around $145 a share. of today's video so currently uh, last year they had revenue of 365 billion i'm looking at revenue growth in 2022 as 10 percent that would bring them up to 402 in the subsequent years i have them at negative three percent five percent ten percent and five percent i'll talk about these growth rates and why i believe they're going there soon um and then in the current shares outstanding i have that at 16.8 billion i do believe by 2026 they will drop that quite considerably Um, And that is factored into this model. The long term growth rate is at 5%. So I still do think for a company that is going to have $473 billion in revenue, if everything works out in this model, 5% is still relatively aggressive. um, And I have their EBITDA multiple at 20. So those are some of the high level things. Now their net debt is actually negative, which gives them positive value when I'm adding everything together over here. Um, The last thing I'll say is in the first two corners, they had $221 billion in revenue, which would make them on track. Um, If they're anticipated 80 billion in Q3, I think their Q4, they could definitely bring in 100 100 billion and definitely make this 402 with a a possible upside of beating that. Now, lastly, I want to go over some of the uh, inputs and how we got that. So in this model, I basically go through, grab all their historical revenue, historical EBITDA, historical free cash flow, and I create ratios off of the EBITDA and free cash flow. And those are really key inputs. So starting off with the EBITDA ratio, you can see that their EBITDA went from 28% in 2020 all the way up to 32%. If you look at their, their averages over the last few years, you can see that 30% was on the lower side, but if we just wanna be conservative, that's what I'm gonna do in this model. You'll get a little bit higher number if you move that up to 31 and 32, which I think is would be on the higher side of, um, if you wanna be more, you know, less conservative, I think that would be on the higher side. Definitely wouldn't wanna have it at 35. On the free cash flow side, um, you can see their free cash flow. I think it's been relatively flat if you just take all these years across the board. Again, using a relatively uh, conservative number with 23 and a half of free cash flow. Again, this is on the lower side of the average here. So I mean, I shouldn't say on the lower side of the average. It is below the average of the last seven years, um, but again, as I believe that they're gonna to have to have more investments as technology goes out, they're gonna be investing in innovation, maybe their free cash flow drops. Um, that could be a, a false thing, but that is also what is weighing down this model is I'm, I'm basically saying that they're gonna bring in less free cash flow as a percentage than what they've been doing in the last seven years. So with that, you can see how I derive my uh, revenue. So. Now on a revenue growth perspective, they have uh, negative growth is something that they have done in uh, three times, to- two times in the last seven years. I do believe that they're due for another negative growth year in the next couple years. I don't believe, uh, I don't think it's this year, definitely. I think it could be in 2023. So I have that there. Um, past that, I do think we'll see a little bit more of an uptrend and then back, start to see a little bit of a downslide as we've seen in these. Now we do see a really big bumper year, a bumper year here in 2015 and then we saw one in 2021. Don't know if we'll expect another one of those uh, until maybe like another you know six or seven years. So point of that is is that Apple is relatively a large company. It is going to be hard for them to achieve. I mean they haven't really been growing at a strong clip rate cons- you know consistently. I mean just look at these um, five years here. There's nothing over, I mean there's one over 10% but then you grab on the outer edges of it and you have two over 20. So um, it's really difficult to predict that out. That's why I have their long-term growth rate at 5%. So with all that being said, I do think their, their DCF of 136 is conservative. I do think it is on the lower side of the value. If you do up this to 25%, which again, let's just do that real quick, and you up this to 32%, we're gonna get a value of 145 and 139 respectively. Now again, I believe those are the higher ends of what I would say is conservative. So if you bump it up any higher than 25 or 31%, you're definitely be over optimistic. And I don't think that their, their ratios are gonna get any higher than this based off of um, the type of company they are. The only possibility is is that they turn into more of a fintech company and they start to get higher money, higher rep, uh, margins off of that. Um, but I don't really know if that's going to happen. So right now, I would say with a margin of safety, I would not be buying Apple at the moment unless you're investing into S&P 500 index funds. You're already getting exposure there. Again, it's seven percent of the S&P already. So Buying Apple on top of where they're currently priced, I think would be a little bit of a mistake. However, they have done well, very well over the last 10 years. Um, And so it's very hard to deny that that is, um, you know, that is why they're so much of the S&P 500. They have an insane market cap right now. Um, And moving forward, they're just going to continue to grow. Doesn't look like they have much signs of stopping. The only thing that's going to uh, really hurt them in the down or in the short term is market sentiment. So we'll pay attention to that and see, see what that looks like. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing. I do videos on personal finance investing and stock analysis. Thank you so much for watching. My name is Frank, Frank Finance. Out.